Welcome to your podcast on fire on the spiritual boxer and new Fist of Fury. And after proving himself as action director working for the legendary director Chang Che for many years, Lao Garlung took his first step towards being a legendary kung fu filmmaker. I always need to emphasize that. Making his feature debut, The Spiritual Boxer, in 1975. Perhaps unknowingly sowing a seed that would change kung fu in big ways eventually by featuring comedy, spiritual and horror elements, but... The change would be mainly by other filmmakers instead. But how does the debut by Pops fare? We'll check it out. Also, producer and director Law Wei takes on young talent Jackie Chan for the sequel to the iconic Bruce Lee movie Fist of Fury. And this is now called, very imaginatively, New Fist of Fury. I'm Ken B, and with me as always when it comes to talking about uh, Kung Fu, but in particular when uh, the discussion topic the man is here on uh, sort of the, the big discussion podcast board is uh, none other than uh, mike mailey so say hi buddy welcome back hello 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 glad to be back been a while been a while uh, but uh, it's, it's a large filmography that to go through in terms of lao galung so it's it's kind of nice to space it out though like i i, I never planned specials on demand because you, you should just talk his movies every now and again but um, i'm glad we space it out because um, i don't know if we would do it in a in a cluster then i'd be bored personally so i'm i'm all good with reviewing a Lao Garland movie uh, here and there you know we've only done for instance two of the 36 chamber movies we haven't even done the third but uh, we're gonna eventually and uh, but now we're going back to the to the beginning we've done his second movie haven't done his third maybe done his fourth you know so we, we, we're jumping back and forth here uh, so but it's a it's a valuable uh, start here the spiritual box is the very first uh, from from the legendary pops sadly deceased pops but uh, immortal celluloid man I, I, I don't know about you but it's sad when you lose people well, when they've made such a cultural impact and the celluloid is is there and preserved. I'm not too sad about it when someone has left something that's going to be around. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it, the films of this era, it was like the golden age, really, of uh, Hong Kong Kung Fu films, in my opinion anyway. So, you know, I, I think some of the Popsy's later films weren't as... Weren't as good things like, you know. Hey, don't, don't you dare slag off Drunken Master Free. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but now you've brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Drunken Master, you know, Drunken Master 2, which he did, you know, direct virtually all of it, but, but you know, people have arguments with you about that, about who did what, but, you know, the, 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 there was moments of genius in that, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, Tiger on the Beat, even as a modern action, it got a good cast and got some great action scenes as well. So, Yeah, I don't know if you and I have discussed that much about his transition to modern action, but that is an interesting transition uh, for me. I mean, I, I did it in reverse. I didn't know of him when I first saw Tiger on the Beat because I bought it on VHS many, many years ago. And uh, I, I wasn't aware of his background because I wasn't aware of anyone just having started watching John Woo and Chai and Fat. That was my reference point, and I didn't know if I was necessarily into Kung Fu yet. And the Shaw Brothers stuff, I I didn't opt 
to buy it on VHS because I, I, I was brought up on subtitles and I didn't think watching dubbed movies would, would be my thing necessarily and those movies were only available dubbed back then. Now it's a different story with uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and uh, it's, it's all available. Uh, Lao Galong's movies are not lost or anything. Yeah, I was the same to be honest when you said I got the made in Hong Kong version of Tiger on the Beat, the VHS, and it, it wasn't until I read uh, Bay Logan's uh, Hong Kong action cinema book that I realised who he was, you know, and, and what he'd done before he did Tiger on the Beat. So. And uh, but we, we will talk at the very beginning, so after some brief contact information, and uh, we'll get this uh, at the time of recording Saturday night podcast recording. Uh, going like uh, me and Mike we're we're living it up we're talking into microphones but uh, I'm all good with that because I because I get to talk movies with someone I like so there you are I said I'm not started on the tisky yet <laughs> you're doing all right <laughs> all righty uh, as for contact information this is podcast on fire on the podcast on fire network this is the flagship show that uh, talks uh, Hong Kong cinema new and old and uh, there's plenty of it to discuss and we have plenty of it in our back catalogue of shows on podcastonfire.com we also have uh, discussions and shows on Japanese cinema, Korean cinema Sleazy cinema, we've talked ninjas all those cool Richard Harrison movies with the Garfield phone and all uh, and we do bonus episodes every now and again plenty of you to choose over there hope you find something that you like if you're a first time listener, I rarely say this I don't say it enough, if you're a first time listener welcome, thank you f- to, for taking a chance on us and hope you find this discussion to be worthwhile and that it encourages you to seek out the movies in question if you haven't heard of them and if you have seen them I hope this discussion um, is uh, a cool little addendum to your movie viewing experience of the spiritual boxer and new fist of fury so welcome and uh, do let us know if you have any uh, feedback on the show or want to let us know what you think of the movies uh, podcast on fire at googlemail.com you can do the very same and interact with us and other uh, listeners over on facebook we have a discussion group called podcast on fire network we have a page that you can like and support and uh, all of that uh, the various social media links including twitter and uh, our itunes feed and stitcher radio all of that is available via handy big colorful buttons at the top of our website so uh, do um, do give us a visit and all of that and if you use itunes uh, and uh, listen to us via apple podcasts subscribe leave a star rating and even leave a written comment if you have something to say about the show good or bad and uh, I write about Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies on my website, so goodreviews.com, and that's uh, pretty much it. Uh, Michael, you've had a, um, I would have to say, a brush with uh, with Hollywood. And you're allowed to talk about it, because uh, your brush with uh, Hollywood uh, is now officially out in the world and all of that. So I know you didn't go to Hollywood, but uh, you've had a br- you've had brush with uh, the big times uh, nonetheless. So... Do prop yourself up. Uh, what was the uh, big time movie that you uh, worked on to some uh, to some extent? Well, if you if you talking about Hollywood, as in Hollywood in Birmingham, England, Heck yeah, the only... I, I love Birmingham. I love Birmingham. Some of my favorite uh, musical acts are from Birmingham. I love, love Godflesh and Justin Broderick and things like that. So go Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it was just a, a, an independent British film called Robin Hood: The Rebellion that I. Uh, had a small dying scene in that was pretty much it but it you know but but it is available on 
it's on Amazon Prime, I think, to uh, to stream. I mean, it's that good when you bought the DVD in Sainsbury's, you got another film free with it, so it just goes to show you. But it was it was a good laugh. Got a good, quite, quite a uh, you know famous cast as well. You know, Brian Blessed, uh, the guy that plays Hodor at a Game of Thrones, was in it, uh, and uh, David uh, Gareth David Lloyd, who played uh, Ianto Jones in Torchwood. So there was a there was a few named actors in it. So uh, not that I got to meet any of them, but there you go. But it was a good laugh. Filming at Caerphilly Castle in Wales in October. Good fun. So we're gonna take a uh, musical break, and after that, we'll be back to review the the, the announced uh, the spiritual boxer from 1975, a debut from director Lau Galang. So sit tight, and we'll be right back. <laughs> And welcome back, and uh, this is the review and uh, discussion, I suppose, of The Spiritual Boxer from 1975, a plot from IMDb in all simplicity. A con artist played by Wong Yu uses kung fu to swindle villagers for money by pretending to be possessed by angry gods. However, when the villagers are later threatened by bandits, he must use the same skills for good. And uh, for good purposes. Not, uh, not for eternity, but for good purposes. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's uh, do some brief uh, opinions, uh, first of all. Uh, so, uh, Mike, uh, obviously this is uh, a revisit of sorts, uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, a short bite-sized opinion, uh, opinion of the spiritual boxer, please. So is this a frequent revisit? Uh, or, uh, you know, depending on your answer, that might uh, lead us quickly to your opinion, <laughs> if this is a worthwhile revisit or not. Uh, to be honest, mate, I've I, not watched it since I originally ordered the IVL Celestial DVD when it was released, and I was—I got a vague recollection of the plot and that, but I, I was pleasantly surprised. I did enjoy it. I've got to be honest. It's not one of my favourites of Lao Galong. So it, it's one to watch, though, as it's quoted to be um, one of the first to introduce and merge elements such as comedy and kung fu. But you know, if I were to in- you know, recommend listeners in terms of ex- the exploration of the Kung Fu filmmaker at hand here. Go with the second movie and onwards, meaning go with Challenge of the Masters and onwards if you want to sort of uh, find uh, this uh, this almost flawless path of the filmmaker because from that point on there were little to no flaws in his filmmaking as he evolved that, that craft. And uh, again, it's um, worth emphasizing that Lao Galong uh, really was a filmmaker. He, was, he, di- he, he didn't just shoot perfectly s- s- uh, sufficient stuff in between the Kung Fu, but, you know, there, there, there was a sort of a cohesive hole in uh, many of his movies. And uh, fr- from the second one, it really um, it, uh, started to become better. This one um, is a problem for me. It, it sort of starts with the lead, uh, lead actor, but uh, we'll get to that. I, I tried to just do some mental research, but I, I guess I need to do better research in terms of... I, I, I can't remember when Shaw Brothers, where this was made, where they, or if they ever hit a stride in terms of mixing horror and comedy. 
before this that is you know after this and later in the 70s and in the, in the 80s they were more prone to uh, doing kung fu comedies in the 80s they did they did even hardcore horror to an extent uh, they had done horror in the 70s but uh, the, the 80s really opened it up to to madness but uh, I, I i i can't remember like uh, that you could pinpoint where the Shaw Brothers trend started because it was really elsewhere where the kung fu comedy hit it out of the park and it was obviously with with Jackie Chan and uh, the the seasonal independent productions uh, Drunken Masters, Naked Eagle, Shadow and I don't know how you felt Mike but Shaw Brothers were playing catch up after that point and it was really only if they turned to Lao Ga Lung to make a kung fu comedy then it worked a little bit better but I can't for the life of me remember Shaw Brothers hitting it out of the park with the kung fu comedies for, for my money's worth anyway I know people think differently and they should but uh, uh any spontaneous thoughts on that if you remember Shaw Brothers having enjoyable kung fu comedies probably later on after this one I mean I would say that this was probably one of the first ones that, that combined the, the two they even using uses snake style in a bit of it but you know I'm not saying that was uh borrowed by seasonal or anything but I, it just seems that it's an enjoyable film it's not perfect I'm not sure whether there was obviously some influence, but, but as you said, I, I, I think when Seasonal came out with those two films, they literally had nailed it. They'd nailed it. That was the benchmark. And then everybody else was exactly what you said, trying to play catch-up. For Lao Garland, I think uh, the, the mixture of comedy and martial arts really clicked better with Mad Monkey Kung Fu. And it's a bit too long, but uh, because uh, Kung Fu comedy doesn't need to be two hours, but uh, it's it comes down to having more appealing lead actors, I think. And I've I've never really been a fan of Wong Yu as such, uh, but that's just a personal thing. Heck, I'm not even a great big fan of Fu Sheng necessarily, so obviously I'm I'm not the authority on this. And uh, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, we got a little pre-movie that opens the movie that's probably my favorite of 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 the entire picture because this first uh, sequence of sequence in spiritual boxer of uh, demonstration for spiritual boxing i suppose where the subjects can withstand pain and they won't uh, be uh, you know they 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 they're possessed by the divine spirit so spears don't hurt them or slashes won't hurt them and it's a it's a mighty tease, Mike, that this is going to be a Tilong and Chen Kuan Tai movie and Wilson Tong movie because Wilson Tong is the person at the altar. And it's really just uh, a sort of atmospheric setup for for the content that we're sort of going to get. And as much of a cool sequence it is because it's uh, it, they demonstrate powers and it goes for mood a little bit. It's not a, it's not a comedy sequence. And it, it is one of the better and the more cool sequences of the movie, but it really is—it's um, <laughs> a big tease because it—it doesn't have anything to do with it. And and unfortunately, these actors who are merely merely have cameos—they appear on front of uh, you know DVD boxes and uh, and uh, Blu-ray boxes. So it's a it's a it's a little bit deceptive. But uh, it, it, is it still? cool you think to to set up uh to set up uh you know spiritual boxing and the possession uh, the possession and the kung fu that happens is it a cool sequence for all of those elements i think he'd been very clever doing this because he he does set up the premise about the you know sander the spirit boxing and it's all been uh like deception and you know 
sort of, they're all fakes, really. Like real life psychics, it's all, you know, they're all full of shit, but there you go. But, but, but he was very clever by getting two of the biggest stars in Hong Kong cinema history to be in that little bit. And as you said, it's a very good team. It's a bit naughty, I think, because people think, oh, this is going to be good. And then when it's over, you never see him again. And as you said, you've got Wong Yu, who's got to carry the whole film. Unfortunately, he's not as a seasoned veteran as, as the guys at the start. And I, I don't think he's, 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 he's got that. I don't think he's that brilliant of an actor if you compare him with Dick Long and Chen Quintai and the other people. It, it's uh, it's one of his first lead roles, to be fair. But I, I, I never thought he was uh, that that charismatic to carry movies. He was better when he was paired up with someone. Uh, for instance, uh, people do like to single him out as one of the lesser elements in Executioners from Shaolin. That, that might be true upon rewatch, but it's, it's a very good movie because yeah. it has obviously the story and the presence and Chen Quan Tai and the, uh, the Lily Ho, uh, Lily, Lily Lee. Uh, their marriage is, a, is an enjoyable part of that movie. He's enjoyable together with Gordon Liu in Dirty Ho. So when he was surrounded by people and not saddled with carrying this, himself in a sort of light manner in a comedic manner Wong Yu worked a lot better but otherwise I think he's um he he never really came off as um, having this um this appeal like like other kung fu comedy actors certainly have I mean kung fu comedy is hard there's just there's precious few actors Jackie being one of the few that could uh, make that uh uh, you know that that the trope come to life of uh, it's 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 not so present here but obviously in every other kung fu comedy after J- jackie chambroke they you obviously have that right that uh, they're a lowly character and they become good at the end they become experts at the end they're, they're bullied at the start and then they're great at the end and jack was one of the few that could make that work really really well um but 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 as i said it's that discussion point is really um, doesn't belong for spiritual boxer because it doesn't have necessarily the drunken master structure we 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 get a drunken teacher for a little bit he disappears and then comes back at the end of the movie but it's not uh, not everything is a precursor it it makes the spiritual boxer you you can judge it on its own terms because it doesn't resemble 50 other movies and I think that's one of the better points, I suppose, that it's uh, it's its own movie a little bit. Or, or what do you think? Yeah, it is. And I'm I'm just trying to remember. I'm sure the beginning where they're doing the spirit boxing, you know. I'm sure there's a similar scene at the start of Boxer Rebellion. I haven't uh, seen that, so I, I don't know if that was before. Is that one of Chang Chia's movies? It sounds like one of Chang Chia's movies. I, I think it is. I think there's a similar scene in that where they're doing the, you know, the spiritual boxing and... You know, it's all the white lives society and all the fakery, and that they believe it to be true and all of that. It's I agree with what you said about Wong Yu. When he's a, when he's a foil to work with another actor, he he really good. Nick does work, but when he's the main star, he doesn't quite cut the mustard. I mean, he's got quite good physical skills, but then then when you mentioned Jackie, Jackie's physical skills and as as well as his acting. Just at a different level. Yeah, because we, we we get the Wong Yu being possessed by, so to say, possessed by the Monkey King, and that gets him this um, sort of canvas to to play. And there's a variety of physical action, which conceptually is okay, but I really never saw, you know, he never became a breakout star 
for Laugalo. But I'm glad he's in those classic movies. And I'm glad this movie obviously exists because without it, there's uh, who knows what the development for the genre would have been despite the spiritual boxer not looking like drunken master or anything. Uh, and, and and also when you connect it to, to the story, it, it's I, I, I didn't find this to be this fun story about this con artist that, uh, you know, have to... Uh, you know, use his wits to get out of situations, and uh, that just didn't really play with me. Then you can flip it, Mike. As a comedy, one thing it doesn't do, you know, it does its light story, but one thing it doesn't do is a lot of broad comedy, which I was thankful for, but then that still made the movie kind of only half interesting, you know what I mean? Like, like there's no active character, there's no p- people with... Uh, you know, uh, with big hairy moles and, you know, not a lot of... At least it isn't, it isn't like running out of the gates full throttle and throwing every annoying stuff at us that only few did well. So, I mean, for, for me it feels different, but not, not successful, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's more of a light... It's more of like a light-hearted... There's no, like, belly laughs and stuff that you'd probably get with some of the... You know, like the Jackie Chan stuff or the Samo, you know, the Samo movies where he's done the the comedy. It's it's amusing. I, I just thought some of the scenes went on a bit too long, especially when he's 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 in the village and they, you know, he comes out as guys and then he's uh, then they call him in to go and sort that haunted house out and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it has this rather like medium, uh, medium energetic stretch with Wong Yu. Sometimes he convinces town folks of his powers, and and but it's not like igniting into like this verbal, physical, energetic fun, because uh, it would have been much cooler if he had lots more like tricks up his sleeves. You know what I mean? Like it's only in the latter part of the movie where where he demonstrates that he can withstand. You know, uh, they they put this thing on him that they would brand anyone, you know, scar anyone, and he can put that on his body, and that would only, you know, uh, the only the smoke would uh, uh, would be visible, and he probably has a protective plate underneath it, and that that's like a very nice visual representation of oh my god, he might have powers, but I was hoping for more of that because that that would at least be a bit more physical uh, showcase of the con, but. Uh, and and also, and this might have been uh, Shaw Brothers not taking a risk on the project. It's one of the fairly small scale Shaw Brothers movies I've seen because after the opening, which looks rather smashing, because it's a it's a big expansive set and uh, there's lots of nighttime mood. After that, they they merely use some outdoor street sets, some basic interiors and exteriors. So to me, Mike, it felt like Shaw Brothers gave Lau Galong some of the sets but they weren't willing to give him an epic just yet yeah that, that's very true and as you said it's pretty much just him walking going up and down a, f- a couple of streets doing different things whether it's buying materials or stopping them picking on these poor guys and all that sort of stuff so as you said i obviously thought well we'll give him a little we'll give him this part of the set and then see where he takes it or or the or the rest of the sets were merely were were busy with uh, with oh, other true. productions, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, so it it it's not something I'm saying is true. It just I noticed that it um, they weren't running up that uh, towards that big uh, gate that's in all those Cheng movies, the big stairwell that goes for on forever. That's not in this movie, but it would uh, you know all those visual cues from the from the Shaw Brothers sets would, would turn up in Lau Garlung's movies. Um, quickly because uh, 
I think, uh, especially from Challenge of the Masters and onwards, there, there, there was just this leap. So I think uh, after a while, you had uh, Lao Golong was, you know, elite Shaw Brothers. It, it, it went really quick, if I'm being honest, in terms of his uh, being a director. I think uh, I, I just have a gut feeling Shaw Brothers considered him elite pretty quick, you know, if not by the second movie, at least, you know, by the time 36 Chamber of Shaolin uh, rolled around. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that uh, the sets that were there were quite good, especially with like you know the uh, the canal bit and the bridge and everything. I thought I thought they were quite good sets in the haunted house, but uh, it was pretty much obviously a lower budget film, really, compared. You said with all the pomp and the the big budget uh, Shaw Brothers stuff that they were used, the Chang Chi era and that sort of. Thing. It's interesting that. I just think maybe, you know, after it came out, Wong Yu appears in a more like supporting role again, doesn't he? In Challenge of the Masters. I've um, I've forgotten about that to be honest. I, I'm I'm the first memory that comes to mind is executions from Shaolin. But you you're probably right. He's he's not he's not second or third lead, but he's, he he might be in there because uh, he had his uh, sort of stock company because they were around Shaw Brothers. Um, yeah. Galang. So obviously you you could do stuntman spotting, but then people got into bigger acting parts too. too. Yeah, very true. I mean, I was watching that. You, you see the usual suspects: Fong Hakan, Wong Kar, Lee Hui San's in there, Eric Sang's in there. Quite a few of the, as you said, the stuntman spotting that you've seen in all the other films. So he's obviously got his his usual team that he worked with. Gordon, not as of yet but i think uh, at least from executioners from shaolin and onwards uh, because gordon gets a good death at the beginning of the movie and then obviously he, he was a lead uh, uh, soon and the rest is history before we go to, into the action there's not a whole lot of that's the kind of problem too i i do actually just because i'm a fan of when Hong Kong cinema does the simple things of creating spooky, spooky settings by the use of green, gr- green big filters and green big lights, I, I kind of like the, that uh, light-hearted sequence in in uh, the haunted house because uh, we 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 don't sort of buy that there are ghostly sights. There, you know, we we get a sense that that there's pranksters so and pranks going on here until there's possibly. Uh, a ghost in the house, you know, as the second sort of half of the gag with that green lit makeup cake. <laughs> Whoever they put under there just get a big old chunk of makeup. <laughs> You're scary now. Body horror. Uh, which I kind of like, even in the worst, worst of movies. I like when they just shine a green light on someone and go, boo. It, 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 you know, it's sort of Hong Kong cinema bingo for me that uh, it, it makes me happy and I'll take happiness wherever I can find it. <laughs> it's it, That is a good little scene, actually. And oh, that's the other thing, just trying to, the thing that bugs me that really gets my gout about these, uh, the, the Hong Kong films. Women dressed as boys, they still look like women. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> and uh, you 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 sometimes wonder if uh, after that became uh, sort of a staple with uh, you know can't drink with me. There's no, you know we obviously see a Cheng Pei Pei, but uh, you know she's got her hair in a bun and that makes her a boy. I wonder sometimes, and it's merely I'm wondering because I don't know. I'm not an expert on these things. If the audiences were just kind of on board with that amusing factor, because you don't buy it. You you can see it Cheng Pei Pei. You can see it Fung Bo Bo. 
I was just going to say that, yeah, exactly. And in this case, uh, Lin Chen Chi is the uh, female actress. But they, they play up her boyish looks a little bit, and that's, I guess, fine for audiences. Maybe they just enjoy the fact that Hong Kong cinema was doing that. At least it's not, you know, broad drag humor necessarily. That can be, get, get a bit tired. They just they wait for the... Uh, maybe, maybe you can do a drinking game. They wait for the scene in the martial arts movie where the heroine that's been a boy takes off you know, her hat and lets down her hair and everybody goes, oh, oh my God. <laughs> now you're attractive all of a sudden. So it to me, it's sort of fun. Uh, the greenlit stuff is fun and uh, the, the sort of uh, the gender fluidity is, uh, is fun. We talked about the fact that there's not a whole lot of action. Um, is that a problem? You think that uh, there's uh, less focus on on actual Kung Fu considering the filmmaker and uh, the back, the extensive background that he had in action directing uh, up to this point. He'd been working for Chang Chair for a good 10 years doing this stuff. So is that a problem for you that we don't get a lot of Kung Fu? It's it's in little short bursts, isn't it? Especially when he's demonstrating his... Uh spirit possession and that sort of stuff but I, I don't know whether it was a definite something he did deliberately after like, being known for all the action maybe he did it just to give it a different flavour rather than having it chock full of fighting from start to finish I don't know but uh, what action there is is exceptional and I really enjoyed especially the end fight I thought that was great as to be expected for for me it was uh well, well I'll, I'll actually give you my my end fight notes in a bit uh what my, one of my favorite sequences is and and it mixes action with the whole uh, con man deception the plot line when you know wong yu jumps into courtyard acting as whatever god he's possessed by so to say and he swings the uh, uh what's the spear called with the big blade at the end of it you know what I mean? the, it's the guanda that used by guangong the uh the 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 god yeah the, the red-faced god that is yeah. r- a really good showcase for wong yu as well because he, he gets to act physically that weapon obviously is gonna look you know big and imposing on on the screen and all of that as as he's acting as this new god that's fighting for justice and uh, that's one of the cooler bits for Wong Yu because uh, Lao Ga Lung then mixes narrative and weapons action and that's a really good concept and as for the bigger brawl towards the end maybe I need to rewatch it and focus uh, focus on it a little bit but I thought it's reasonably well choreographed, but not at the level we expect, which is kind of the problem, I think, when you expect expertise or when it's a little bit less than expertise, then then, then I guess you notice it. But again, it's that issue of having Wong Yu a little bit at the forefront here, because I I, I, I get a sense that Lao Ga Lung was going for less stylized choreography here and uh, more gritty brawls, more like basic Kung Fu. And... I, I didn't feel, but again, this is merely from my perspective. It's not the correct perspective. There, there was not as much flow or, and definitely not as much ferocity as I got the sense he was aiming for. That's not to say this is subpar, because God knows there's stuff in this genre from big, big studios and not so big studios that is just subpar like you read about. And this is, certainly is not subpar, because... Did Lao Garlung ever direct something that was subpar in, in terms of the action? Probably not. You know, even even Drunken Master 3 probably has some bursts that are just genius in terms of action. You know? Definitely not. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there's the one brawl with the guy students and there's a little cameo from the man who the pops himself in there when they're all fighting with the uh, 
the bad guys, and that's more like, a, you know, you are right, it's more like a brawling type thing. And then when he turns up, they start doing their spirit boxing type stuff and they beat them. And it's not it's, it's not easy choreographing stuff like that, especially when you've got gobsmacked at how they used to do it, when you've got large groups of people fighting at the same time. It's, uh, you know, it's it, it must be a nightmare sometimes. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't want uh, to... Uh... And, you know, even back then, but certainly not now in the era of HD, you don't want the background players to be passive in the background because, you know, it, it, it's sort of classic that you got the main fight and then people just casually, we're hitting each other, oh, we're hitting each other so hard. No one will see this, right? Because we're way in the background. No, we can totally see you. And I, I never got the, that sense from this brawl that they're, you know, the hard stuff at the forefront and then the soft sloppy stuff in the background you know it came off as a big big cohesive one at the very least you know well the thing is that, uh, that, that it's, it's like and the thing is because action is his business isn't it and, and he's got the, an eye to see that you'll be looking at somebody like in the foreground fighting but you'll also be clocking the people in the back as you said it's like seeing some of the old films where they're sword fighting and as you said the, the two main guys are going at it hammer and tong and the people in the background are just like tapping the, the blades together as or, you said. Or, or jumping around in the circle that surrounds <laughs> uh, the people yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was a really good sequence and then that leads on to the the end and i mean he, I, I did like the fact that the i like the fact that he's getting his ass kicked yeah then his old drunken teacher turns up and he starts calling out the different gods so he can counteract the guys that are fighting him but if you watch that he mentions tiger crane leopard uh five animals tiger crane leopard Snake and dragon. That's the the Nyinku, the five animals out of Hungar. So you've got the Leogar Lung Hungar connection again. And then he, he starts using the five elements where you've got wood, earth, metal or gold in this this instant, water. So he, the, the, there are there are forms, there's a five animals form and there's a five elements form in Hungar. So that's where he's Hungar ancestry comes into play, and I thought that was something. Anna like me, I thought that was great when he started doing that. And and that uh, theme of uh, thing of uh, someone shouting out techniques to try, if anything, that is the big, big, I, I, I suppose, somewhat new trope that we would see in a variety of movies. You know, even Drunken Master, Simon Yunus, uh, you know, instructing him to a degree, even though their, their focus is not as broad as, as what you just uh, described. It's obvious, I was watching, I think, this must have influenced the seasonal films to a small, to some degree, because, you know, you, you, you've got the elements, as you said, he's getting his ass kicked and then he's calling out the different gods at the end. He, I, I still think he did influence the seasonal films, but I'll probably be, probably, like, plenty of people will argue with me that, 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 that he didn't, but I think that did. I think uh, anything that you see, it, it has a ripple effect of sorts. That's why this uh, was nice when it was brought out, uh, fully remastered, and then that you could sort of start connecting the dots a little bit more, that the, fi- that, that the Kung Fu comedy d- didn't necessarily start with uh, with Jackie Chan that there's earlier stuff I mean heck even there's earlier stuff with Jackie himself where he's sowing seeds and trying things out and it's not working out 
as such condemning those two movies with seasonal it was just boom, both like we got it now <laughs> you know it's uh, it's done now and uh, i'm gonna make it better and try and follow me and that connects to Lao Long as well this is not the genre implosion but it's one of the seeds and uh, boy did he get better quick uh, you know he became a filmmaker of substance of dramatic subtlety in terms of themes and messages he conveyed in challenge of the masters there's some just great dramatic subtlety in there and that was the next movie already i don't think he grew overnight in terms of he made spiritual boxer he knew nothing then challenge of the masters i know everything now i think all of that was there but he needed uh to get a little bit warmed up i suppose and uh, the the only flaw i can find and i mean i'm crapping on poor Wong you but i think the sequel to this shadow boxing shadow boxer uh, spiritual boxer part two that that's probably lao galong's other weak movie so unfortunately it's two movies starring uh Wong you i've not seen that one so obviously i've not missed much have i i mean it's not crap but it's uh you know compared to everything else it's not the one I've returned to, um, you know, uh, even people single out that movies like uh, Dirty Ho is uh, tough to take because it's comedic and such. But uh, I mean, heck, even my young auntie has a lot of broad stuff, but it it's great. And if the broad stuff is not great, then then you get an action showcase for the ages. And uh, legendary weapons of China. People don't like the comedic inclusion of Fu Sheng in that one, but boy, is it a fantastic movie! Best best final fight scene on weapon, you know, weapons on film. Exactly. So I mean, you, you have to balance elements. In Spiritual Boxer, there there wasn't these uh, uh, immense elements to go along with the lesser elements. I think it's uh, it does this thing all right, but uh, it's uh, it's a start if if anything. And I'm so glad it got uh, immediately better. So uh, don't, don't mind the revisit. Uh, by the way, uh, the actors Lin Chen Chi. If people have seen the Choi Hak movie, Don't Play With Fire, aka Dangerous Encounter First Kind, you would remember her as a very, very vicious character in uh, Choi Hak's incredibly angry social commentary. So it's uh, night and day in terms of her role here and in Choi Hak's uh, just vicious movie. That's the thing about the Hong Kong actors that that that, that can play one extreme to the other kind of that can do the the, the slapstick comedy, and then that can play the the dark harder characters sometimes in the same film. I mean, heck, even uh, Law is in that the Choi Hak movie, and we knew we know we we saw him grow in the seventies from you know good guy lead to constant villain, but really delivering. Every time, to be honest. Even when he turned up for five minutes at the end. After the villain is unmasked. And it's low late. So, great. We like him. Uh, I am at the end of my notes, uh, buddy. Anything else you want to mention about the spiritual boxer? No, I've, uh, I've, I've got in all my uh, little facts or whatever. And you educated us uh, towards the end. in terms of um, what to look for uh, uh, towards the end. How the final fight is structured. So I, I didn't pick up on that. So that's uh, that, that makes the movie grow a little bit in my eyes. So, and as for availability, the Hong Kong DVD with uh, with the horrible remix is uh, long out of print, uh, but it is available in the movie now on Blu-ray in the UK by Eighty Eight Films. That presumably tossed that remix aside quickly and featured mono Mandarin and English uh, language options. So. 
Uh, it's also available to stream in the UK if you have a uh, membership with Amazon Prime. It's also available to buy digitally on iTunes uh, with both Mandarin language and English dub included. Same for uh, the American side of things, uh, although they don't, don't have a physical Blu-ray release of The Spiritual Boxer. But it's a uh, widely available and i opted for a digital repurchase i have the uh dvd heck i even bought the vcd just to hear the damn thing in mono and the, <laughs> I, I didn't watch the vcd and now the rewatch was for, with the english dub which was uh in terms of english dubs uh, it's what you expect uh, you recognize all those voices and it was all um all fine you know they didn't try to do anything special with the english dub which is but it wasn't laughable either so uh that is a recommended viewing because it plays out pretty much exactly the same so it's all good simple movie too so it's not uh it's not something that requires complex subtitles anyway so i'm sure they could adapt that english dub easily enough okay okay that's the first movie for this episode we're going to take a musical break and after that we'll be back to review uh jackie chan pre-stardom in the, the Law Way movie New Fist of Fury from 1976 uh, so it's uh, Jackie's first uh, lead role under the contract of uh, Law Way and um, he was uh, merely a few years away from true stardom but here was the first attempt to break him and uh, how did that fare well we'll check it out after the musical break And welcome back, and uh, this is our review of New Fist of Fury from 1976, and a plot from uh, IMDb by Christopher Meadows. A brother and sister, and the sister is played by Nora Miao, reprising her role from Fist of Fury, escape from Japanese-occupied Shanghai to Japanese-occupied Taiwan to stay with their grandfather who runs a kung fu school there. Uh, however, the master of a Japanese Kung Fu school in Taiwan has decided on bringing all other schools on the island under his domination, and part of his plan involves the murder of the sibling's grandfather. Undaunted, the brother and sister established their grandfather's school anyway, leading to a final confrontation with the Japanese Kung Fu master. Uh, Jackie Chan plays a young, young thief who at first uh, does not want to learn Kung Fu, but finally realizes he can no longer stand by and let the Japanese trample the rights of the Chinese people. A patriotic tale. Uh, we'll get to the review uh, very, very shortly. I just have uh, some minor, minor background uh, notes here. And uh, going by release date, this was the first starring vehicle for Jackie Chan under the contract and direction of filmmaker and producer and also actor in this movie, Lawway. He had been appearing in small roles as um, and as a stuntman, including in Fist of Fury and Enter the Dragon throughout the 70s, and some select starring vehicles and supporting roles that didn't... Uh, that didn't uh, break him as a star or break through. Movies like uh, Cup Tiger from Guangdong, who, and that was later re-edited into Master with Cracked Fingers. Not Scared to Die was another movie he had a supporting role in. And uh, a yeah, movie called Police Woman, a.k.a. Young Tiger, a.k.a. Rumble in Hong Kong, is the famous uh, Jackie movie with uh, him with the mole and all. And uh, oh, it's a terrible movie. Such a bad movie. Uh, but here in New Fist of Fury, Lo Wei clearly wanted to find his next 
Bruce Lee. Whether that is any good or not, we'll get to it very shortly. Uh, Jackie made about eight or nine movies for Low Wave, with only Snake and Crane, Arts of Shaolin, and Half a Loaf of Kung Fu handed to another director. And he made his own debut with uh, Fearless Aina eventually, uh, under the... Uh, under the same contract I believe um, and this take took place between 1976 and 1979 but in, during that era Jackie was loaned out to seasonal and became a major star making Snake and Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master and then returned to conclude his contract which he eventually wanted out of too and he got uh, negotiated out of the contract with the help of Wang Yu, Jimmy Wang Yu, not Wong Yu, which is a different story. We don't need to, we don't need to retell, retell that here. This uh, stretch of movies, they do have quality across them. Uh, sometimes um, there's that, sometimes there's no quality, but there's also experimentation with comedy that he would develop to a greater degree. So the stretch is not a waste. But uh, those movies that he made for Low Way, for my money's worth, they were better the less... Jackie was branded to be Bruce Lee or branded to be like a wuxia hero or something. You know, the stretch of movies is about forming and molding someone. And he he got to be that and then took over his own persona himself. And uh, A New Fist of Fury was released in 1976. It was re-released in 1980 after Jackie had become a star where 40 minutes were removed from the original two-hour running time. And there were some plot alterations in the process. And uh, we'll get to more of the different versions in the avail- in the availability section. So that's uh, that's uh, a little background for you. As for my short opinion, again, the advantage of this low way era, Mike, is that we get to see Jackie shape and grow his persona, and then that would flourish when he got away from low way. And uh, also, we get different sides of him that he did not explore again. We did not see Jackie as a wuxia swordplay hero really again but uh, within this era we did but here mike at the start of that era low way really comes off as the worst director ever there's no reason for this to be a two-hour kung fu picture of chinese versus japanese because low way attempts no substance to carry us through that hefty running time we need kung fu and we barely get it and even the worst kung fu directors even the ones shooting outdoors in a hut knew how to spice up the movie with action every now and again but to me Lawway thinks he's important clearly that he's making a historical epic and it comes off, a, off as a really cruddy and low budget and boring until the ending really and uh, it's not a great fit for Jackie he didn't disappear thankfully <laughs> you know he became who he became uh, so uh, that's my short opinion for now in, in short there uh, what do you want to say about New Fist of Fury well I mean, going back to availability, I saw the VHS version in the 80s, which was the cut version, obviously. So it's like watching it for the first time, really, this time around. But it's very clunky. It's way too long. It really, you know, lays it on thick with the knife, the Chinese nationalism, the hatred of the Japanese, which is fair enough. You know, historically, I can understand it, but it did play on that a lot. And it was, but it was interesting to see pre-eye job Jackie Chan before he had his eyes, uh, you know, opened a bit surgically for, for his later films. Yeah, you can see it. I don't know what that's called or how what he say, uh, what he did exactly, but clearly there's been some some kind of procedure that uh, made him uh, look uh, as we know and know him now. You know. Yeah, it was quite common, I think, apparently. So quite a lot of them used to have it done. I don't know if it was to make him more appealing to Westerners, but I don't know why. But there you go. 
but you know how funny as westerners can be so maybe it's that yeah it, i was watching it and it was like a certain certain parts of it, i was looking at my watch because it was just like going on and on and on and there was a little burst of action some of it was i mean there's one one bit one bloke just threw himself on the floor when nobody was near him did i do did i do kung fu now by throwing myself on the floor i guess yeah, it was, it was, it was like there was, there was this fight going on, and the, the bloke wasn't. It was a couple of foot away, and this guy just like does a backflip and starts rising round on the floor, and I just thought, oh dear, not very well. I don't know. Maybe it was rushed. I don't know. Well, um, well, well. Here's the thing that people call a low way movie boring and clunky and slow paced. It's not no surprise to me. I, I wanted to give the full vision a shot though for my first viewing, but sometimes low way did not know when to stop, and shorter edits were beneficial to the pace of his movies because there's plenty of examples of international edits just cutting boom 30 minutes out of it we don't need it there's uh, a, a Wang Yu movie called A Man Called Tiger I believe that's a two hour movie originally also available in 70 minutes 18 minutes and it's the better for it but that was when he broke out more on his own because when you watch his Shaw Brothers movies uh, and granted it's Shaw Brothers they were the deciding factor that was more appealing to me because movies like The Shadow Whip which is a great movie and it's short as heck too that that was way more appealing but when, when Law Way did movies with Golden Harvest and on his own uh, producing Rain that meant apparently no one said no and uh, that meant we lost precise snappy genre cinema Fist of Fury, granted, is pretty long, but the key there, Mike, I think is pretty evident. It's Bruce Lee. Because I'm willing to bet that Bruce Lee was an idea man. And he had influence on sequences and brought ideas. Because Law Way was not that visually inventive and that uh, clever in terms of how to stage the action and how to create iconic moments. Uh, uh, I'm not saying he left the set, but I think the key there is to have an idea man like Bruce Lee. And uh, Fist of Fury, therefore, is as good as it is and as inventive as it is because of that. So you you wonder, therefore, will there be invent, you know, uh, this creative like um, mix and match between Law Way and Jackie Chan? And it turns out I don't think Jackie is very much present in the idea department. He's, um, he's hired to act and he follows direction and that makes the whole movie dull we he doesn't feel like a a breakout star to have him be the next bruce lee is not the fit that um, you know was gonna make make him such i mean if we never heard if we never saw heard from jackie chan again after this movie i wouldn't have been surprised because he's he's pretty anonymous to be honest he he doesn't feel like you know, even if you remove Bruce Lee from from the equation, when you watch Jackie here, do you feel like you're looking at promise that he's just waiting to implode and explode and take over the world? For me, I, I can't I can't really see it in this movie, and I'm glad that this was not his only chance. He got plenty of chances, and finally, it worked. So, do you see any promise as such if you try to um, take out uh, all you know of Jackie? It's a funny one, isn't it? As you said, he's just there to act, and he's not exactly marvellous in it. It's quite, it's, it's, uh, and not in it that much either for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult one, but obviously they saw something in him. I, 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 maybe it's reputation as a stuntman. Who knows? Well, well, of course. I mean, that that was already 
he had a reputation for for, for taking falls uh, well i mean he's the he, he's the one that doubles uh, uh, the the actor plays uh, ricky hashimoto he doubles uh, ricky hashimoto yeah. at the end of fist of fury uh, and I, I got a sense that uh, Lo Wei was trying trying a little bit the big boss structure by not having his actor fight until it's time. And that worked in the big boss. It's a gamble, but it worked in the big boss where Bruce Lee finally, you know, I've had enough, <laughs> you know, but it, that was Bruce Lee, man. He was he had fully formed ideas and was confident in his presence. And I think that Jackie is not really there. He hasn't. Uh, I guess been allowed or hasn't yet uh, find found the creative instincts in him. Uh, so it really comes he comes off as anonymous in the movie, to be really honest, and not this uh, presence that you hinge the patriotic tale on. And that's I think it's a problem because you need to feel like, oh my god, the hero. Yeah, he's he's, he's he doesn't really leap, no pun intended. He doesn't really leap out the screen at you, does he? When you when, when you're watching it, I, I found myself getting quite annoyed in certain bits when they're saying to him, "You want to learn kung fu? No, I'm not interested." Then later on, "Do you want to learn kung fu? No, I'm not interested." Do you want to learn kung fu? No, I'm not interested. About four or five times, and this one thing transpires, and then he goes into this big nationalistic spiel about uh, being mistreated by the Japanese and. Uh, the men of Asia are sick and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's it's a kung fu movie, but granted, Lo Wei has decided to make a two-hour kung fu movie, so they 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 were attempting something like a, something dramatic to hinge everything on, and that just falls flat as a pancake because Lo Wei is not that talented dramatic director. He's absolutely horrendous when in in that department. He should strip it down and uh, go for the ninety-minute uh, basic kung fu tale, you know. I think that would have been would have been better, and 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 that's what we got. It probably the edit you watched yeah, on VHS was one of those forty minute shorter edits, and it probably felt a little bit more snappier because of it. Yeah, it was. It wasn't as uh, protracted and drawn out. And as I said, look, look, I wasn't looking at my watch and get a move on. When you rewatch Fist of Fury, there are scenes that were just always just sort of lining up people in his frame and they're exchanging dialogue, which can be functional, but it really is the lesser part of, parts of Fist of Fury. Like the more appealing parts of Fist of Fury is this notion of revenge by someone who is so unhinged psychologically. So there's a really compelling sort of story angle there. Bruce Lee is out of his mind in that one. Literally, just he's gone crazy. He's a madman. Creative and uh, actionable, granted, but he, he's yeah, absolutely lost mentally. That, that that's sort of vibrant that that angle, but there's no vibrancy to the story here. There's no sense of uh, us wanting to have someone, you know, carry the Chinese and stand up for the Chinese. Uh, and uh, you know, even when he brings back characters, Lo Wei, which he does with Nora Miao, and visual cues like the nunchucks. It comes off as rather, the, the word is clunky, I think, uh, that, that you used, because he tries to make the nunchucks these iconic mythical, a uh, mythological item because they're brought out in a box, like Chen Chen's mythological nunchucks. And yeah. it, it really just, well, that's an idea, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, you, you, you're supposed to get the pulse of the movie going by introducing the thread that goes back to Fist of Fury. And it's sort of, well, I did it. That's okay, right? I I direct now. I'm a director now. No, it's sort of flat and not really exciting because you you're not letting the, your star let loose, I suppose, and it, it doesn't feel like there's a 
star brewing here like there's a star in the making here and uh, I, I i remember that one of the scenes that just made me go oh we're in trouble and low ways up to his old tricks and maybe this is not like a, a scene that matters as such but at one point he shoots a dialogue scene essentially from behind the actors there's a there's a, like a scene where people are talking around the table yeah literally their backs are three quarters towards the camera he's not looking at the dialogue even so oh no 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 it's a sloppy director here and it's gonna go on for two hours man oh man hope jackie does something soon and it really takes until the end fight which i will get to before jackie does something in my opinion and by then you're just looking at well the individual sequences are a bit cool but for the full two hour sort of epic that tracks back to fist of fury you just sort of shrug well I suppose. Yeah, it's it's and and you you're correct about the the nunchaku scene. You know, as you said, there's you know it's like something Indiana Jones would be after for, for the museum these nunchakus, and you see them and you think, oh, this is gonna something good's gonna happen here, but it doesn't. And it's he says it falls flat. It's a bit of a letdown because when I was sort, I thought, oh yeah, he's in there, and then he's like, Ooh, okay. That wasn't very well done, was it? Yeah, he really doesn't go to town in terms of, like, I'm going to echo everything about Bruce Lee all the time. That would have been pretty great if he just went nunchucks on us for two, three, four sequences and had lots of lots of training montages of just the uh, the, the sort of uh, Bruce Lee wavy hands that uh, craze the trails and all of that. I, I would have been fine with him just throwing it all on us just to please us. Because it would have made the movie less boring. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what he was trying to be overly dramatic about now, but unfortunately, it just didn't work. As you said, it just ended up being boring rather than being a dramatic. It, it's not that much of an important story because there's not much to the story. Uh, it's Chinese versus Japanese. I mean, and, and, and I mean, I perked up a little bit when Chen Sing came on the screen because he is compelling by default, really, because he's uh, he's got this burly, heavy presence, and he can bring that power in his sleep, and it, it'll be uh, it'll be appealing. And uh, Chen Sing on screen is incredibly appealing, but that's not thanks to Lo Wei, not at all. I felt the same when I saw his name. I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And when I saw him, what was that with his hair? He looked like Blakey out of one of the buses. You know, but there, then again, he's one of those that he has got a, like Bruce Lee, he's got a presence, hasn't he, Chen Sing? You, you, you know, I, I, I thought he was probably one of the best ones in it, given his on the buses type look that, that, that he was uh, given for the film. And like his uh, daughter in the movie as well, which uh, is an actress. Oh, she was she was a badass. She was quite I quite liked her. She was you know she was kicking ass. Cheng Yu, only one credit would lead me to believe that uh, she she's a real life martial arts expert of some kind that they brought on for the movie, like a champion of some some sort. Uh, but they're really uh, she uh, she brought the ferocity and the danger that uh, you'd want the enemy camp. To represent yeah. and that builds tension for the genre piece but there's no tense build up between you know the japanese kung fu school and the chinese kung fu school and the rebels being in peril because nora meow's character they, she's she's a rebel and all of that 
it becomes so irritating to follow, you know, because it's so long. I mean, I, I didn't watch it in one go because I, 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 I couldn't. So it's like one of those sit through it one hour, one evening, one hour of a second evening. So they shoot them uh, in uh, standing gritty locations, which you would hope uh, would elevate it for it to be a little bit realistic. But it just comes off as sort of cruddy looking and dull because the frame isn't really compelling. It's not you know it doesn't spark as such you know uh maybe it would have if we had more action and that's all that that's also the problem that it's so devoid of action that you're so grateful when it happens mike you're so grateful when something happens i think people when it originally came out must have been really disappointed <laughs> were, were you do you remember you remember being disappointed or your the first time i saw it, i saw the truncated vhs version but it's one of those films that it wasn't that good i'd watch it again and again like when i saw snake the eagle's shadow or drunken master or wheels on meals and stuff like that so he, 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 i watched it and oh, it was okay it wasn't wasn't a, a cinematic milestone i only watched it because it was jackie chan was in it this is after i'd seen the other ones and i started releasing his older stuff because he became such a star yeah, I, I, I can imagine that being the case. Uh, there's not a whole lot of nunchuck action in this, so presumably this was more complete back in the day. You know, obviously the BBFC would uh, trim any nunchuck action sequences, which made the Bruce Lee movies a bit literally truncated uh, too. But, uh, you know, there, there, there's so little here. There's more bone breaking here, which is actually... The, the, the best sequences, it, it's again towards the end, you know, with... Uh, with uh you know the the chinese school versus japanese school and it's this sort of formal tournament sequence here and uh by that point jackie has gone from reluctant to patriotic proactive hero in front of the people yeah it's it's almost it's almost christ-like which is <laughs> amusing in a way but at least towards the end the hanjing chair action and Han Jing Che himself which is the big boss from the big boss the way he starts breaking bones and such and really being the master of the school that was as I said before an individual sequence and a stretch of the movie that I found really really compelling because now we had Kung Fu and it's hard and he's breaking bones and he's, he, look, he looks good on him uh, during that stretch yeah, very. Yeah, it's it, and it's just showing me how to wait so long for it, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, you know, I, I, I think the finale was comp- compared with the rest of the film. I really enjoyed the end fight. It had some great stuff in it, but it's just a shame that you had to wait for nearly two hours to see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I, I think as individual sequences, they are pretty high standard, but and because the the gritty style is nice to see, so it's not like we're we we're giving the these sequences five out of five just because we were desperate for anything i think i think they're all pretty damn solid and 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 seeing jackie engage in that kind of action is cool but to then slap the bruce lee you know the visual cues on him looks rather no i don't think that's right i don't think that's for him and you know even at one point nora meow says about jackie chan's character who's called he long she says he long is just like chen chen and i just thought to myself no 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 he's not so no t- take that back he's no he's no chen chen and they even have a they even uh, uh, at one point when she remembers chen chen they put a still on screen that i think is from enter the dragon 
So it's not even from Fist of Fury. Like uh, when she remembers the good times when he was still alive. Yeah, kid. when he's waving his arms and he, they've got that visual effect on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well I think there's uh, something different. Uh, she, she just thinks back to not not even like a scene from Fist of Fury, just thinking of him as a character. Uh, Chen Chen, who's passed, you know, he dies at the end of Fist of Fury. And I think she's thinking back to a still from Enter the Dragon instead because it looked better. But I might be wrong. I, I just remember, hmm, that doesn't look like it's from Fist of Fury. Uh, Bruce's haircut is a little bit more later in the 70s. So, yeah, who knows? Do, do, do you remember watching that stretch of low way movies? You know, uh, Shaolin Wooden Man and Dragon Fist and Spiritual Kung Fu. Do you remember liking what, what you saw in that, whether Jackie was a serious hero or a comedic hero? Was that appealing at all to you? I, I think the problem was once we'd got to the stage where the, all the video shops had Drunken Master, Snake Eagle, Shadow, uh, you know, Dragon Lord, Project A. Wheels on Meals, and then his earlier films came out, and they're very disappointing because you expected the same sort of like style and the same sort of action, and you didn't get it in them. So it's like you watch it once and you never bother watching it again. They they are good for finding out like oh that thing started here and that will get better, uh, you know. For instance, half a loaf of kung fu, I hated, but it's Jackie given a chance to just do full on comedy. But, and I remember the first sequence is great. It's a parody of one of Akira Kurosawa's. No, no, it's a parody of Satoichi, I believe, because he's a blind, he's a blind swordsman, and that's kind of funny. But then it's just Jackie and Dean Sheck and all kinds of crap for. Snake and Crane was okay. I've got that on. I've got. I've actually got that on DVD. That was one of the better ones. Dragon oh. Fist as well. It's a it's a shorter away movie, much more serious. And the the point is, I I think there is a joy here, especially today, as more and more of these movies become available in the UK. It's kind of nice to sit down with some of them to see, like, oh, it's you know the seeds are here, because a lot of them are way better than *You Fist of Fury*. They really are. As the I haven't seen uh, *To Kill with Intrigue*, but a lot of them are just way more fun than *You Fist of Fury*, which is not a great challenge to achieve really because it's really it's it's uh, the bottom of the pile but it's it's kind of cool to see he's growing he's growing it's getting better feel as hyena oh my god he, he's got it and then next movie young master oh my god he's he's done it and then it keeps getting better and better as he directs himself and all of that so i you know it's it's not a great investment i think to uh, start collecting them nowadays yeah, because they they are becoming available in the UK these early ones, and to see kind of how how it how it grew because th- that's enjoyable, but th- the quality is uneven. I mean, w- one of the most ill fits out of this run, aside from New Fist of Fury, is probably Magnificent Bodyguards, because it, it's so odd to see Jackie as a, a character in a, in a swordplay movie in a complex wuxia, but Magnificent Bodyguard is so desperate to be 3d because uh, uh because it was shot in 3d and they do it so obviously that it becomes kind of amusing to see them dangle foreground elements in front of you like ooh 3d <laughs> uh but uh so yeah um i, I welcome that these movies are becoming uh, more and more available uh, because of that but uh it didn't become really good until fearless aina dragon fist and onwards to be honest that did play on a lot there was i remember seeing one called quite a few others that they because he'd become a big star and they'd, they'd released these films Eagle Shadow Fist was one he was on the cover gets killed about 20 minutes in 
Yeah, that's uh, Not Scared to Die, uh, the original movie. Yeah, yeah. And I remember watching it thinking, uh, well, that was a bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but because he was a name, then, then, then they then they like market them then so you as soon as they come in a video shop you we go down then you see jackie chan right that one and that one oh god fancy mission force that was another one never mind oh, don't you dare uh, say, say anything <laughs> bad about fantasy mission force it's the best movie ever not thanks to jackie though not thanks to jackie it's all the madness around him yeah but, but, but you'd see them and you'd say oh there's jackie chan's in any time you'd, you'd be thinking oh, i've just wasted three quid on these what am i doing oh my god but, an entire 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 three quid <laughs> it's been for own money that was <laughs> uh so yeah uh a new fist of fury to be honest if you really want to see where it started go for it but it's gonna be a rough start if you want to explore the lower era try to find a short edit of this because you you won't gain anything from two hours of this uh, dull dullness and, uh, uh, and and find other low way movies at Shaw Brothers like Shadow Whip go watch that he comes off as uh, perfectly perfectly fine kung fu director and it's like 85 minutes and that's what the length was <laughs> you know that was exactly how they made it and it's uh it's cheng pei pei she uses a whip it's set in snow and it's great so shadow whip is probably one of my favorite law way movies based on that alone i'll have to check that out i'm not gonna re-watch new fist of fury but i might re i am definitely gonna re-watch the end fight because it was very good and i want to see it again but maybe they should just release that on day <laughs> The end fight of New Fist of Fury. <laughs> yeah. you, you'll thank us later. Yeah, we just saves your uh, hour and 50 minutes. Uh, okay, as for availability of New Fist of Fury, it's had a plethora of releases over the years uh, on DVD. For instance, the Columbia TriStar DVD from America was uncut. Uh, that was the one we watched because I, I, I wanted to give the full movie a shot and give uh, and give my honest opinion of it that way. Uh, it was uh, in both Mandarin and English, but it had no uh, translation of the Mandarin dialogue. So if you had the subtitles on, that was just the English dub transcribed into the subtitles but i'm sure that viewing will be fine for you because it was for me it had uk releases from eastern heroes that i, I don't remember if they cropped the wide frame or to 1.78 or if they cropped the f- fully cropped version with with to 1.78 i.e cropping heads off and cropping legs off uh, they did that for a few releases on dvd but that was in english in the full version however their dvd of that a fortune star they stole the long version at the very least I'm, I'm sorry because it was included on the german blu-ray of the movie plus that version had uh, had like uh, a specific german version on it as well because they made their own edits but it has no english subtitles and that 1980 version that was re-released with 40 minutes removed from it that got a remastered release in japan as well on dvd so it's been it's been available but the the availability of the full version uh, for uh, for your in terms of uh, it being english friendly and all of that i think you have to go with the columbia version tristar and you can get it it's uh, very cheap still and uh, and the various uk editions are as well but there's no english friendly blu-ray release but if i'm being honest grab the old uh, columbia tristar dvd if you want to see the full version and then uh, throw it away <laughs> uh, yeah. well, use, use it as a coaster the disc after you've watched it maybe we can make uh, our own sort of kung, like kung fu tinted version of the ring like if you watch this you'll be bored to tears and then give it to a friend 
that will also be bored to tears. And then the cycle is is out, you know, like a VHS tape in the ring. <laughs> I'm going to make my own movie. It's going to be 10 minutes long. I'm just thought you can go out and after you've watched it and used it, you can start throwing it at people. Like Matthias used, he did in that film Dark Angel. And... Yes, <laughs> I come in peace. <laughs> like the only thing it's used for before. That movie is, uh, got, gets dated really, really uh, got, got dated by uh, by two thousand something something. A Dark Angel because what villain uses uh, uh, uses physical media? <laughs> you know, if you remade Dark Angel today, what would you use? Like throw USB sticks on people? He'd be a bit more particular. He'd be using laser discs this time, right now. Heck yes. I'd buy that because it's a big disc. It'll hurt you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. De- mass decapitations. <laughs> so, so yeah, that that's a better movie too. Uh, okay, okay. We are gonna conclude this. Uh, I enjoyed this chat with you, Mike, as always, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back to uh, go through, uh, for instance, the logo along the filmography a little bit, a uh, little bit more. We haven't done, you know, executioners from Shaolin. We haven't done the disciples of the Thirty Six Chamber, which I think is this sequel that divides people, uh, which could be an interesting discussion. And, uh, you know, it's uh, there's still plenty to uh, discuss and uh, we'll uh, certainly continue doing that. But in the meantime, for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, go to podcastonfire.com. Uh, find the back catalogue of Podcast on Fire, the flagship show of the Podcast on Fire network and all our other shows on Japanese cinema, Korea cinema and uh, what have you. Make your choice over there. Uh, and uh, if you enjoyed the show, do let us know on the various social media uh, links and the networks and uh, we would love to hear from you uh, it's okay if you really like new fist of viewers don't feel like ju- that uh, we're judgmental pricks or anything like uh, i would love for you which i am okay if my, my mic is but i'm 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 the calm stoner one of the group here so like it's okay if you love fist of fury it's okay man because i'm gonna no, i'm not gonna deny you joy in life but uh, you really should watch other low way movies because they're 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 less boring and they're not as long so so uh, it's all good man go where go where the joy is and uh we'll certainly uh, uh regroup mike to find something uh, more joyous to to watch but uh, i wanted to combine these two because they were represented firsts of some kind you know what i mean like uh lao Golung starting to explore filmmaking and kung fu comedy and low way trying to explore if it could break another star so it's it's not like we need to bring five out of five movies to a discussion sometimes the context is about is it great from the start sometimes it is sometimes it's woeful but it got better so that's your context for you it does happen doesn't it yeah but at any rate uh thank you very much mike and uh, i've been kenby and with me was indeed Mike Maley of uh, Birmingham, Hollywood, I suppose. So uh, look out for uh, on-screen ventures in the future from the man. So uh, thank you again, Mike, and uh, take us out and say goodbye. Cheers again.